after you've answered a lot of questions from people over the years, you sort of get a picture of, okay, well, what are their pain points? What are, their, what, are their, what are they looking to spend money on? And then so I find a solution for that. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Party. What's up, B? My brother, good evening for once. Uh, it's an 8.30 recording, uh, but I am super excited because we're going global. So it, it's always fun to bring on and learn from people that are not in our, in our local market. So I'm super excited for the show. Uh, I turned 32 tomorrow, so it's also pretty exciting. Um, a lot of September babies. Um, I know we talked about this last time, but I've like really realized how many people kind of like, I guess all of our parents were like, okay, we're going to start the year off on a good good intentions. And then nine months later, here we are, all the September babies were born, but, uh, no man, life is good. I'm super happy going to Italy next week again, um, for a wedding. So I can't complain. How long are you going for? Just a week. Nice. Yeah. Just a week. That's awesome. Like a quick, a quick trip, seeing some friends, you know? Apparently there is a, there's a nationwide, so I need a light color suit. And as you know, since my 75 heart, I've lost a bunch of weight and I went to go shopping yesterday, which is something that I don't do very often. And apparently there's a nationwide shortage of light color suits, like 10 suits. And this guy's like, I only have black and gray suits. And apparently I went into like three, four stores and that's, what it is so living covid man can't even get yeah, a suit anymore it's crazy bro like it, it's just how funny how how broad this whole covid situation has been yeah you know 100%. anyways 100 moving on <laughs> did you uh did you end up closing on the refi i can't remember if i asked you the refi we are waiting for the appraisal should come back next week um so we're just kind of into, into that. We have a very specific number that we need. Um, so we're hoping to get kind of close to that. Did you walk the appraiser through and tell her the number? Tell him or her the number? Yes. Yeah, walked him through it, game. showed him everything, you know, told him the story. Um, so hopefully with everything and the market, the markets, it's, it's so good. It went up like... Condos went up in Palm Beach County about 20% over the last year. Wow. So, I mean, we bought a year and a half ago, right? So just on that, for the majority of them, we should see a significant increase. So I love it. I love it. But I'll keep you guys posted. Yeah, you guys will be the first ones to know. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. 
Awesome. Well, uh, let's, let's get into today's guest. So uh, today we've got Tracy Northcott on who we met through clubhouse. I think back in like January when we were all hitting clubhouse pretty hard, I'm not going to lie. I faded off for a while, but I, I should make a comeback at some point. Um, but Tracy was just one of those people that was showing up and just like super genuine, like always giving great info, bringing a little different perspective um, from the way that she runs her business and the style that she runs her business. And uh, she's literally on the other side of the world. So she's coming into us from Japan. And so let me uh, give her a proper introduction. So uh, born in Australia, uh, Tracy Northcott of on Four Tokyo Family Stays and Tracy Northcott Consulting. She's a serial entrepreneur and multipreneur based in Tokyo, Japan. She's one of the most successful Airbnb hosts in Tokyo. She also runs a software development company, N4, which I didn't know, with her family, as well as Tracy Northcott Consulting, where she helps other hosts discover the true potential of their short-term rentals or Airbnb business, maximizing their investment, enjoyment, and hospitality standards. Uh, we'll make sure to include all her amazing links in the show notes, but without further ado, Tracy, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Thank you so much. It's good to hang out with you. And actually, it's really good to see you in person. I'm used to just listening to that beautiful radio voice that we were just talking about. It's just like, um, yeah, I'm used to listening to that. And also, you know, it's, it's just great to sort of hang out with people who are sort of kindred spirits all over the world. It's been it's been fun. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's funny. I think TJ probably takes the cake though for the best radio voice. He's just got that like uh, for sure. Yeah. No nope. DJ voice, like soothing voice. Noble Noble's up there too, I think, though, as well. Like, you know, Noble Crawford has a has a very, you know, uh bass notes. It's uh it's it is very soothing, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so so love it. Back, back to the topic at hand for the listeners, you can go back and watch our show with TJ and Noble. So you can see who we're talking about. Uh, also good friends from Clubhouse, but Tracy, why don't you kind of walk us back into how you got into short-term rentals? Like what was your background before this and what got you into short-term rentals? Sure thing. Well, I'm actually, you know, you can see my backdrop in here. I'm actually in my store cupboard. So, you know, this is where the glamour happens. Um, you know, it's uh, in, this is where uh, we keep all of our cleaning products and all of our maintenance issues. So um, I, let, I normally blur it out, but I just thought I'd leave it up here just to, to show that it's real and um, um, that it isn't all just about decor and, and, and welcome baskets. So um, I got into the business 10 years ago. Um, I just had a baby um, and he's turning 11 next week, actually. Um, and uh, I had a lot of people coming to visit. So we live in, we lived at the time in a Tokyo apartment, which doesn't have a lot of space. Uh, and um, my parents just could not go on a futon on the, on the living room floor anymore. It was just not the happy place to be. So I thought, well, if I rent a second apartment near my place, a small studio, I can put my family and friends in there and then rent it out part-time and cover my costs. That was my goal because, as you see, I'm also a software engineer, so I run a small, very small boutique software company. And uh, it was really just as a side thing. You know, I've always had an interest in real estate and, and, um, uh, and I thought, well, you know, this is just a way to have, a, have an annex, have a Peter Tear, have a, you know, another place. Also, you know, if the baby screams too much, I can go and hang out there and hide. <laughs> <laughs> go bring the baby there and leave. 
and just <laughs> locked the door and walked away. <laughs> exactly. You have kids, right? Mike does, I know. So yeah, I don't clearly from that comment. Clear. <laughs> yeah, no, don't yeah. leave a baby alone in an apartment, please, please. Like okay, social I'll services. Sure. I'll write that down. Yeah. In my notes. Note to yourself. <laughs> Note to yourself. And then it was sort of really on the cusp of a big, big tourist boom um, in in Japan. So the Japanese government were putting a lot of resources into getting uh, tourists in, but not a lot into additional um, uh, 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 infrastructure. So um, hotels here in Tokyo tend to be two types. They tend to be big luxury, you know, uh, Park Hyatt type things, um, you know, very high end or small, stinky, smelly um, business hotels. And there was not a lot of middle ground, especially for families that uh, where you could come and take your family and be um, and and have everybody in the same in the same apartment. So um, there was a real hole in the market. And of course, whenever there's a hole, um, other people come in and fill that, fill that uh, supply side. So um, I was right on the start of that. I recognised that there was a need and, um, and I thought, well, I can do this. And I learnt um, by the school of hard knocks, really. Um, it went really well, the first one. And then I thought, well, I need something bigger because I'm getting a lot of inquiries from bigger groups. And uh, so I got a two bedroom and then I went to a three bedroom house. And then, uh, yeah, just within five years, we had 25 properties. We were doing over seven figures. It just went bonkers. Um, and it was fun. It was really good. Um, we were meeting a need and we were, um, uh, you know, it was it was just a, it's a really good place to be. So. Love That's it. awesome. Um, Are those so, all arbitrage units? Yeah. That was out of curiosity. Mostly. We start, I started off with arbitrage. So I started off, again, like I said, renting a second place. Um, I let the landlord know that I would be having family and friends stay. Um, and it was a real grey zone at the time. This is before regulations came in. So it was a real grey zone um, about um, being able to list and list in you know, private properties. Uh, so um, these were rental arbitrage with permissions from the owner. I, I, you know, actually there were a few that I don't have anymore that um, we did rent and uh, uh, naively rent, and then uh, became it became impossible for us to keep renting them. So we closed those down, and and we learned very early on to have a good relationship with the owners. Um, then I started getting a lot of repeat guests. And some of those repeat guests kept saying, well, you know, I'm coming here a lot. Um, so how about I buy a place and let you run it? And uh, so I said, cool. So that's how I got my co-hosting properties. And I've got a few of those um, and I still have. And then with all this massive cash flow, I thought, well, you know, we need to build something. We need to build our own house. Um, and actually we, we designed our own family houses where I am now with an office storeroom. And also I have a, a, an apartment which is attached that has its own entrance. And that actually is a, um, a studio apartment that I rent uh, and short-term rental. But when grandparents come, they've got their own property. So it, uh, it works out really well. So we, we built a, we built a, um, a three, four-story house, which I'm in now. And um, you know, thank you to the, thank you to the business of uh, short-term rentals. I love it. What an amazing story. Also, because for for those that don't know, like, I imagine buying in Tokyo is not cheap. 
as a, as a city yeah. is a very expensive city. So arbitrage makes sense probably at the beginning, but I'm also sure that, so how, because you started 10 years ago, which is about when I started. And I remember when, when Airbnb and VRBO rolled in, but obviously I'm talking about Airbnb rolling in Florida from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So where, what were you using in in Japan? Like was, was Airbnb live in Japan from the very, very beginning or did it roll out? Just, blah, blah, blah. I was one of the first. Um, I was one of the first hosts um, on, on Airbnb. So um, the first time I even heard of it, um, I remember someone, t- you know, someone telling me, that, like, you can rent a property from somebody on, um, and you order it online. It just blew my mind. And we used Airbnb as a family and went to Korea. Um, and that was 11 years ago before I started. And then that's when I came back and we came back to Japan and thought, oh, okay, well, this is, this is a business model we can we can play with so um yeah we, we were in we were one of the early hosts of airbnb interesting hmm. um so you're you're busy so you have kids you have another job you have yes. your consulting business Correct. so what does and you have 25 property which is which is not, no, not small okay but you still no. have how many do we, you have right now we so um, the arc of it went so for the started 10 years ago within five years we had 25 properties and then uh, 2000 between 2016 2018 the regulations came in and we looked at all of our properties um, with our big girl pants on and looked at them and went okay which ones are going to be uh, which ones are we going to be able to get licensed and also which ones are going to be profitable with the new model and uh, so we streamlined uh, our portfolio so and we went more boutique and but went more margin per property so we looked at the ones where we're going to get maximum um, bang for our for our effort um i mean as as we all know here it's like you know whether you're hosting one person or whether you're hosting you know a group of 10 it's almost like the same amount of work so um so for us in this market and the costs that we're looking at it does it made a lot more sense for us to really focus in on a family extended family niche guest and uh, target everything towards that. Um, and so that's fewer properties, but larger and more margin per more margin per property. So we were making the same amount of money with less properties. And um, yeah, so that's always that's always good. There's a, less variables to, uh, to, to go awry. Um, that was sort of 2018 to 2000, end of 2019. Um, I was doing a lot more co-hosting, a lot more management, um, a lot less arbitrage. Um, and then we were all geared up for 2020, all geared up. So I had a number of properties that were, I was managing as well as uh, co-hosting, as well as just listing on my, my direct booking site. And we were all set for the Olympics. And we all know what happened in 2020. So um, I spent three weeks on the floor in the fetal position, just going, oh my goodness, my last five years of business plan has just gone gone in a matter of two weeks and I can't control it. It was horrific. Um, so I've had therapy, it's all good. 
but um but yeah it was it was grim it was grim for a number of weeks and this is even before the pandemic was officially announced we were hit very hard and very early because we are asia um the the tokyo marathon was the first big thing to go and that went that was late february that that was cancelled and that's when we first realized oh we're in trouble here mm -hmm. um and so yeah the next month was just like it was a it was a bloodbath um so clo closing lots of properties again big girl pants on trying to trying to you know see which places needed life support which ones needed um needed to be extinguished and uh and by the you know you know so now we're down to five that are ours that are licensed um we have another five properties worth of furniture sitting in storage ready for the when the borders open up again um and i have another series of properties that are co-hosted that are um where the owners have actually come back and they're kind of living in exile a little bit they've sort of been like uh, covid lockdown because our borders are still closed by the way we're still you know got it we're, we're well mid-september and uh we're still our borders are still shut tight Mm. So the, for just for context and curiosity, yeah. so is the majority of your guests international? That was my that was my target focus up until the up until COVID hit. I was ninety nine percent inbound. So whether that's inbound relocations, because I spent a lot of time building up my corporate relationships with relocation companies, um, because again, dealing with families who who need um, who need a uh, local experience, um, and so relocation companies, I work with travel agents as well as obviously with the OTAs, and my focus really was inbounds. So I knew how to take care of. Uh, people who didn't speak the language, who needed, uh, you know, a soft landing in a country which is so foreign for most people. So that's that's the that's the value add that I bring. Um, and of course, we had to pivot. Um, and so, since February of 2020, I've pivoted more times than a ballerina, I tell you. So, <laughs> it's, um, um, so for most of last year, we were dealing with Japanese families, again, who were in exile, families who were living overseas, who came back, didn't have a didn't have their own house to live in. So we were doing that the same as everyone else, medium to longer stays um, in family homes, obviously a lot less margin, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and since that there have been more quarantine stays, so I do look after people who are needing uh, two weeks quarantining. I've done a bit of isolation stays. Um, the workation staycation market isn't big here, even though I've tried to really, you know, go there. It's not really a thing. Um, so yeah, again, more pivots than a ballerina. And it's a very different culture also, right? So I, I also assume the way that the public is handling so I think what has helped us specifically, and I talk about me as like South Florida, it's it's overall how opinionated we are as a country and, and how free people are to do whatever they want. So a lot of people are coming to Florida because we're open and everything is it's free and clear. My understanding from my limited knowing of Japanese culture, I assume if they say, there is lockdown and you have to wear masks and you can't go anywhere. Are people like 
respecting that so is that why you don't have as much people kind of traveling within the country or it's just they just don't travel in into tokyo maybe like your location is just not a vacation spot for people that are from yeah. there or where it is, a, it is a city thing and i think um a lot of other people in urban centers have found this as well is that demand has been less in in urban centers if you're if you're you know even in japan if you have a beach house if you have a um a mountain lodge uh then you're busy um but the uh but people te are tending not to come into the city um they're working from home a lot um but um domestically there has never really been much of a demand for short-term rentals anyway um so people tend to use the the small stinky business hotels um and uh, it's just just to, to do a home share is just not or or, uh, or a full house rental is just not part of the part of the culture and i that's partly education. And I think Airbnb, for example, are really missing an opportunity to, to educate the market. Um, but that's a that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but um, um, there just it hasn't been the local demand, I think, that you guys see in the US. So we were really focused on inbound tourists um, and because that's who needed us and um, who were prepared to pay for us. Um, and, uh, but, and because the borders have shut, that business has gone away. For sure. One of the things that I want to talk about with you that we we're talking about offline and we've talked on Clubhouse quite a bit about is your model about maximizing profitability within your portfolio. So instead of going after 20, 50, 100 units, you selected properties to maximize profit and then you have different strategies to for lack of a better word, upsell different services or different packages to maximize the revenue per door. Do you want to mm -hmm. like break that down a little bit and give some examples of what are some of those things that you do? Sure. Um, it sort of came a little bit by, by accident in that um, because I'm really focused on a particular segment of the market, I'm focused on families, I'm focused on inbound tourist families. You know, after you answered a lot of questions from people over the years, you sort of get a picture of, okay, well, what are their pain points? What are, their, what, are their, what are they looking to spend money on? And then, so I find a solution for that. So first of all, because it's a way for me to make additional revenue, but also it's a, as a value add, it's a, it's, a, it's a way of adding a level of service and hospitality to my guests. So that's what the guests remember. They don't remember how much they've paid, but they remember that, I was able to have my problem solved and my anxiety reduced by using these particular services. So um, I don't do it as a hard sell, as a you know, as a nickel and diming thing. It's more well, here's the sort of things that people like you have asked for before, and here is it. Here is some solutions that I know are going to work for you. Okay. So Can you give us an example? Sure, sure thing. So I get a lot of families. So like my company name is Tokyo Family Stays. So who I serve and where I am is baked right into the title. Um, so when you're coming as, a as an inbound family, you're often away from your normal, um, uh, you know, structure of, of support network. And so what happens if you are a, a parent and you want to go out for dinner? What are you going to do with your kids? 
So I provide a babysitting service. I, I offer a babysitting service. And that is probably one of my, my most popular upsells. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it has a lot of wins to it. So um, the people who provide the babysitting service are also my turnaround team. So these are uh, women from the Philippines, mostly mothers themselves. They know the house. Um, they're also great with kids and also they babysit my own kids. So I have full trust in them. So people can use the babysitting service with confidence to know that their kid is gonna be bathed and fed and put to bed, no problem. And then mum and dad or the parents, let's say, for example, uh, can go out for dinner or can go out to, you know, a show or go out and do something that's that's fun for them and have a great experience. Because when you travel with kids, they don't want to go. It's like some of the adult things, they don't want to go and do it. So this gives them um, some extra value and lets them see a different part of Tokyo that they wouldn't see if they had their kids screaming and yelling at them. So that's one thing I offer. Um, I offer things like ground transportation. Uh, Narita Airport is a, is like an hour and a half drive. It's not local. So um, I offer uh, a connection with a ground transportation service so they can meet them at the airport. Again, that's got a couple of wins in it because I know where they're going to be. I know they're not going to get lost. And, um, you know, the, the driver can call me when they're en route and say, we're 10 minutes away. So I can make sure that there's someone at the front door with the key ready to greet the people. Oh, by the way, we greet every single guest. One of my team or myself, we meet every single guest that comes in. And that is a strategic uh, choice because um, again, people have just arrived, they're tired, they're cranky, they don't know, they don't understand how to use the remote control, we're there to help them. So um, we let them settle in and make sure that they're comfortable and then it's good for us in the long run because we have a lot less questions and a lot less problems just from having that 15 minutes of touch point. So babysitting, ground transportation, um, ticketing for, for tours, for, um, for museums, for Disneyland, um, gigs, um, nightclubs. I've got a ticketing service. Again, every single ticket that's purchased, I get a, a small commission and I haven't touched it. I don't do a thing. Uh, food tours, again, is another recommendation. Um, I've been on all the tours. I can recommend to people what their choices are. And that, again, gives that local knowledge gives value add. So um, people, uh, people are not throwing their money out and, you know, hoping it's going to be what they need. They can ask me and I can tell them exactly where, you know, where they can uh, have the best experience for their short because they're usually here for a short amount of time they don't have a lot of time but they um but they're going to spend their money so i i help them so you're um, almost like the the high level of concierge that that you get from a nice hotel like when you go to that like four or five star hotel and you go downstairs but like you have it all baked in into your airbnb business sure yeah i do um That's amazing. and it's not a it's not, like I said, it's not a hard sell. It's like I give people a, a, a bunch of information and, um, you know, here's some things that you might be interested in, help you with your planning. And um, and then it, it's almost like the catalogue of, you know, the spa catalogue when, when you get to a nice hotel. It's like, oh, it's like 
all these things you can choose. Now, they might choose one, they might choose none, but still showing that you've thought about them before they arrive and you know what sort of questions they're likely to have um, just, again, elevates you as a host uh, in, in their mind and that's what they'll remember rather than how much they paid. Yeah. Do you have that baked into your website? I know you're... Yeah, yep. or an app. I was going to ask, since you're a software developer, I assume there is something cool going on. Um, I, um, I have, um, I, so in, it's in my website and also in my welcome series of, um, of emails. Um, it's just a series of PDFs um, that, uh, that go in. I am, I probably am going to go a bit more high tech uh, in my tech stack later on. At the moment, I'm just, you know, because of COVID, I've just been hunkering down and, and uh, planning. So, but I think I, 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 my next step will be offering a digital guidebook. The, the issue that we have here is a lot of people land and they don't have internet access immediately. So that's why I do have the paper, ver well, the PDF version so that people can print them out and actually carry them. Um, because if you land and you don't have internet service, your, your online guest book is, is useless. So um, um, PDFs that you can store on your phone or store in your device, you'll, you'll have access to them whether you've got internet or not. I got you. So the people right now have to request it. So like you, you send them and you're like, these are the additional service that you have or on the website, you have a way that people can do the booking and then do an add-on of what they want or do they just see the list and then they have to request it? Well, they can, if it's a third-party vendor, they can just click on that and go straight to, with my little link that I've got. Um, that's then obviously tracked with cookies and, and all those little you know, tech things. Um, and then the vendor then reports back to me monthly about how much, uh, how many times people have booked. It's a soft, like I said, it's a soft sell. It's not a hard sell. It's not, um, it, it's not like, uh, it's not like, do you want fries with that? It's more like, well, here is, here is the menu. Here is the catalog, pick and choose. Um, and sometimes just the, just the reading of it, just the, the seeing the possibilities is, um, does bring value to the to the guest um and then the value for me comes if they choose to then book no i love it because i've been thinking a lot about that lately on especially on the direct booking side of like after somebody books offering those upsells or additional services or whatever because they're already from a sales and psychology standpoint they've already spent the money so now they're like okay i've already pulled up my credit card i might as well just book the tickets or get the bottle of wine or the champagne or whatever. And just, you know, it's like any e-commerce store on the planet. There's always the next thing if you want it. And so I think finding a way to stack that on would be a, from, a good benefit. So from a psychology point of view, the, the person with their credit card out has already bought from you once. And it's always easier to, to sell again because they've, they've, they know, like, and trust you enough to buy the first time. And if, you know, uh, if you can show them something that is specific to what they're likely to need, um, then they're more likely to buy. It's no point having a big laundry list of a whole bunch of like random things. That's sort of a bit grubby. But but if it's if you know your guest and you know what their pain points are, um, providing solutions um, is uh, is just showing that you you know what you're doing a little bit more. Um, rather than you know just having a bunch of coupons because that sort of that that doesn't that to me doesn't feel right um 
but uh, you know, having things targeted to um, to what you know people are likely to need is is a better way of spending your effort to set it up because it takes effort to set it up. It takes the effort to build those relationships with vendors. And it makes sense only if when you're narrowed on your on your avatar. And I know you and Mike are both kind of big fan of like kind of defining your guest avatar. And I think that really makes sense because then you reverse engineer it back. Um, I actually saw, Mike, I thought about you. Uh, there is this refrigerators now that you can put in locations where you can scan a QR code on the, on the fridge. And then that unlocks the fridge and creates your account to it. And then anything you grab out of the fridge, you get charged for. And they're trying to put them in like hotel, um, hospitals and all those type of things. And then you can go to local stores and be like, Hey, I have this fridge here. Do you want to make some meals and put them there? And then you'll, you'll know exactly. And then we'll, you'll get notifications when you have to like bring more stuff, but you can drop off juice, sandwiches, salads, and for hotels, especially like I was thinking for the cove. You get there after hours, there's no kitchen, there's no nothing, and that's all there. I love it. Yeah, shoot me that oh. link because I was looking, I was yeah, researching it last year. I'll send it to you. Um, but yeah, I love it, Tracy, because I think I think you one, I think it's such a big deal for people to to hear somebody going like so many units and then having to scale down, but like learning how to scale down successfully. And learning that really, like, I'm kind of like the same way, right? Like, I have my 40 units now. They're really humming and running very well. And I look into adding units, but I'm very specific because I'm like, I don't want to add headaches. I need to add something that, like, I'm passionate about that I can make money on and that it's in alignment with my, with my brand also, right? Because I think as hosts... You have to kind of choose the, the the brand. Like, are you a Hyatt? Are you a Holiday Inn? Are you mm -hmm. like a Four Seasons? And then it you get used to those type of clients and you don't really know how to deal with the other categories because you're so accustomed to going back. Like, what is your guest avatar? And then once you know them, you know what they want. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm really big on branding, um, but... I actually have a question for you guys because you have you you know you guys deal with a lot of lot more hosts than probably what I do. Um, when I talk about branding, I you know I know that like part of my brand is me as a host, me as a you know me as a what sort of hospitality I'm delivering. Part of my brand is what my property is and the amenities that I'm offering, um, and also. An equal part of that brand is who I'm targeting, like who my ideal guest is. So all of those is, is the three core pillars of, of my brand. But I think we as marketing people kind of understand that, but do a lot of really new hosts or first-time hosts, um, you know, I start to talk to people about branding and it's just, it's just so foreign, um, you know, what do you think is a good way that we can, you know, as you know, as uh, thought leaders, I guess, in this space, um, help new new hosts to really see themselves as short-term rental business owners rather than I'm just an Airbnb, I'm just an Airbnb host. And then you're sort of tying yourself and your business to, to someone else's marketing. So 
is that something that you see as a possibility for short-term rental hosts moving forward or is 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 that is that something that's a bit too you know ninja level for 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 the <laughs> the average host no what i, I, love what I always tell people level. is like i always suggest to people is start your first property on airbnb because it's the easiest platform to use there's millions of guests that are traveling on it and you'll learn how to run a hospitality business on that platform once you get that down then you can either go to verbo or start building your own direct booking website and start to create your brand now when i got started i wasn't thinking about a brand or anything else i was just like i'm gonna get this little two-bedroom condo we're gonna use it as a family i knew i wanted to attract families i knew i wanted to attract younger families and i knew that this location would crush it because that's what we wanted to go for my wife's over here trying to distract me right now being silly and um so that's what we did but then i I got caught up in how can I add more units as quickly as possible? So I would, I'd get one, I had one in, Ma in New Hampshire and then I got one in Massachusetts and then I got one in Dallas and then I got one in North Carolina and then I got another one in North Carolina and then one in Florida. And I was like all over the place, all different types of properties. So now it's really hard to brand that portfolio. So I've had to go through and segment them of like, okay, I've got the Cove, which is like a really high-end boutique place. And we've got the Beverly, which is a lot more budget friendly, like business traveler focused, relocations, things like that. Clean, comfortable, affordable is the theme for that. And then I have some other local stuff here that's a lot more like, I don't know, like chic and like unique that like caters to a certain demographic in Salem, which is a very historical town. Like the property that we're about to launch tomorrow, uh, Saturday. It was built in the 1700s, 1710. It's older than the US. Like it's an old house, but it's super cool and it's right in downtown. So like the design's awesome. It's just a really cool place for like tourists or people that just want to come and stay for a few days. Then I've got some bigger stuff and some smaller stuff. So like I have to segment the portfolio as opposed to if I got real clear at the beginning, like you did Tracy, and then kind of fine tune it to say, okay, I'm just going to go for these three, four, five bedroom homes that cater to families around Tokyo, that's a cohesive brand. You know, Tokyo family vacation, like that's a brand, right? So mm -hmm. I think it is important to think through and also get clear, like when you're starting, what is your goal with this business? We say it so many times, like if you just want to have one house that you use and rent it out, cool, that's fine. If you want to go to five units, 10 units, you want to build an empire, fine, but think through at the beginning, what is my end game? Like, what am I really trying to achieve? And then it becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And I was really looking forward to this conversation because you've proven and like your business model is, it's true to you. Like you knew what you were going for. You don't need 50 units to make good money with this business. Like you are super passionate about hospitality and creating a great guest experience. So you have your five properties right now, and I'm sure you're going to grow that, but those five properties, those are your babies and you know, you're going to take care of people and they make you good money. So like, mm -hmm. it's just understanding like what works for you. Mm. Exactly. And, you know, I didn't learn about branding or the, the marketing jargon. I didn't learn about that until later on when I started sort of, you know, 
reading and, and doing my own sort of, uh, you know, self-study. And I went, oh, that's why I did that. <laughs> so um, I've sort of gone backwards and figured out that, okay, well, I learned that I, I learned all these things on my own. Um, and now I recognize why, why that was, you know, why, why that was the path I did. Cause I just grouped very quickly. It was just like, someone was going to offer me a unit. Yes. Bang. I was going to take it. And it wasn't until I got into some of them, I got into and went, oh, actually this is not working for whatever reason. And, um, but now because I'm more strategic about, you know, who I'm serving and, you know, what I know I can deliver um, that, uh, you know, I'm, I can pick up, pick, you know, pick up units when the borders are open. I've got a number of places that I've, you know, I've said, look, as soon as the borders are open, I'm going to take your place. But, you know, the, the owners are understanding, but uh, I didn't, I had to learn that um, and stuff that I wish I'd, I wish that I'd had, you know, learned that from the beginning and or had some sort of mentorship from the beginning. I didn't, you know, like being on Clubhouse has been really interesting for me, Michael, because, you know, I was living in my Japan bubble. I was very siloed. Um, I knew what I was doing and, you know, I had all of my networks. It was all local. And then, of course, when the pandemic happened, it was like, okay, well, you know, I need to connect with other people. And that's when I sort of found that, around the world there are more people like me who sort of have this sort of hospitality um passion and also the same feeling about how to run a short-term rental so it's um, i'm really grateful that i found all of you guys because you know i was you know felt like i was on my own over here <laughs> but um yeah That's so it's been, been really good mm. and it's and it's funny because i you know 11 years ago when i got started too there was not as much support out there, right? So a lot of the stuff that, that I learned, and it's funny because it's like, one of the things that came to mind to me is like, yes, I wish I knew exactly what my end goal was. And, and the thing with me is like, I knew what my end goal was, but I didn't have always support on the way. So sometimes I got kind of like lost and distracted. And I was like, I'm going to change the business model to this or change it to that. And, and two things were, I think looking back is like one, I was young and I just was on my own a lot, making the, the like the choices and impatience is just part of youth. And then you're like, I want this to happen faster and it wasn't happening. So I was like, maybe I need to pivot, maybe I need to change it. And sometimes you just need to let the time pass that it needs to pass. But going back to branding and even the identity of your units, for me at the beginning was very much like, I can do the branding that I can afford. And that was the beginning for me for a lot of units. So I was hardcore Ikea, everything, because that was just what I could do. Like that was the money that I had. Right. And just being very kind of crafty with like, okay, like how do I make this unit look the best way I can with the money that I have. Mm -hmm. And then now over time, now it's completely different, right? Like now I can do a unit and I'm doing one unit at the time when I used to like turn like five, six, seven, eight units at the time. One unit at a time now with money, uh, that's a whole different ballgame, right? Like you can really afford to like look wherever you want and be like, what do I want my vision to be? And so understanding and like, if you allow yourself to plan it, you can be like, okay, I'm going to plan it. This is the vision. This is the money that I have right now. So this is what's going to go the farthest right now. And then I'll make do with everything else. And you can still execute on the vision 
but sometimes for me, especially the marketing part of it, like especially the look wise, a lot of it was just I didn't have money. Like I didn't have money to do things any other way than the way I did them. And then with proper cash flow, but going back to how I grew the same way, right? Like I was just taking units and I'm like, it's going to work. But I sometimes I didn't have the cash flow to support it. So. I, I, I think being very clear about who is going to be, who's coming and who's going to be staying helps you make some better, like some choices when you're setting up. Like, you know, for example, um, you know, because I'm targeting families, I know that the dining room chairs i can't have sort of really you know fancy stools um because that's just not going to work for for people who are trying to feed their kids um and the reason they're staying in a short-term rental is so that they can have a kitchen and they can feed their kids so you know knowing who you're who you're serving lets you make some of those choices and not make expensive mistakes earlier on so um, yeah, you can choose dining chairs that have a back on them that you can like have a clip on clip on babysit for, you know, it's not very sexy, but it's those little things that I find as what people remember and they'll come back and book you again because they, they know that, that you've, uh, that you've thought about, thought about what they need. But so by the same token, I couldn't, I couldn't run a luxury place. I would not know how to, to really, um, fit out a place with very high-end, eclectic, you know, designer things. Um, I don't know that market really well. Um, I have clients who do, and they do a great job, um, but they've got the eye and they they know how to make those decisions based on who they're targeting. But um, uh, but I couldn't do that for my own properties. Could not. And that's why. I, could you do it? Sure. If that was going to be your focus, you could learn how to do it. Right. And you sure. can focus on that. But like you said, over time, you listen to your guest and you learned what was important to them and you made tweaks and adjustments over time. So that's why I think it makes your life easier if you focus on a specific traveler profile. Because mm. you you can create a, a consistent experience that's going to maximize their experience for them. So um, I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're getting overtime. Um, before we get into the last question, where can folks learn more about you and your consulting and all the good stuff that you got going on? Sure. Well, um, part of my, um, you know, pandemic therapy was writing. So it was quite cathartic for me to just, you know, you know, sit, sit down and, and, and write. So I started a blog and uh, you can find that at Tracy hyphen northcott.com um and that's my that's my consulting website and there's a link there to, to my blog and there's lots of stories about me and you know how we've survived covid and and also how you know just how we got into hosting and and um and also i get into things like duty of care and and um and how to surprise and delight and a lot of stuff on an ideal guest um, and then a lot of stuff on monetization. So all this stuff that we've been talking about, about how to really, um, you know, look for things that will make you extra money, but also add value to the guest. I've got, a, I've got tons and tons of posts on that with lots of different ideas on how to do it. So, and that's all there on my blog. Um, you know, I've got, you know, a ton of free, uh, ton of free um, downloads that you can get. Um, some webinars, some branding things. So uh, that's all there. But also, you know, uh, you can also just reach out to me as well and, and have a chat. Um, 
on Instagram, Clubhouse, what, Instagram, what Clubhouse from my blog. There's all, like I'm I'm not a woman of mystery mouth. I'm not you. I'm very very easy to find. I love it. I love it. We'll make sure all that stuff gets linked in the show notes. So, uh, the last question that we ask all of our guests is, what is your number one secret to success with short term rentals? Know your guest. Know who you're serving. Absolutely. 100%. Know who you're serving. Everything else stems from there. Um, the decisions you make when you, uh, when you decorate, when you choose furniture, when you uh, write your copy, um, add-on service, everything comes from, well, who's paying the money? Who's paying for it? So that's, um, that's where it comes from. I love it. Love it. Tracy Northcott, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, maybe I'll see you on Clubhouse soon. Yes. And uh, we will be in touch. Thanks again so much. Truly appreciate you. And um, looking forward Thank to you, seeing Tracy. more of you. Yeah, Thank I can't me. wait to come to Tokyo. I yes, am, please I do. Am absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm waiting for you guys to, to welcome people, but um, I definitely have it in my, in my radar. It's on my to, bucket to list. Come over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to do all of Asia. I think I'm going to just do a month and just to just hang out because I have friends in Singapore as well. So I have, I have to do a couple stops. Um, but yeah, I would love to yeah. all of your um, add-ons and I'm going to go on all the food tours you recommend and just set up the car with you and do everything and just be yeah. like, yeah. I'll just listen to Tracy. It's, it's, a, look, it's, awesome. a, it's a, it's a fun town. Like it, it's, it's, it is like living in Disneyland when everything's up and running and everything's, it is like living in Disneyland 24 hours uh, a day. Um, and there's so, look, I've been here 21 years and I still am finding new and fun things to do when there's new things to pop up and food. Oh my God. We haven't even talked about Tokyo food. It's amazing. Wait. Mm. Awesome. You're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thanks, love guys. You. Yeah. Thank you for all you do. I think you're giving you're giving the market a really, really valuable service. And, um, you know, I really appreciate it. And, and, and I'm sure your listeners do too. So I hope I've added some value today. Absolutely. Thanks again, everybody. Bye See guys. you guys next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.